0: It's our Bible Church. What a beautiful day to worship our great God and King, Jesus Christ. You know, this pandemic is global, but that's not the only thing that's global. The gospel of Jesus Christ is global, and his word is going to the four ends of the earth, even during this time. And people are worshiping around the world today. They're worshiping King Jesus. And although they are confined in their homes, just like you are and just like I am, we know that the Word of God and the Spirit of the living God is not confined in those spaces. God is moving. His Word is not chained. And He is up to something good in spite of the times. As we come to the Word of God, would you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. That's the gospel according to Luke, chapter 19. I'll begin reading at verse 1. And the Bible reads from the New King James Version of the Scriptures. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not, because of the crowd, For he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, I must stay at your house. Amen. Here we see the Lord inviting himself into the home of Zacchaeus. Here we see the Lord proving that he is a friend of sinners, inviting himself into the home of not only a tax collector, but the chief tax collector of that time, who had amassed much of his wealth by taking advantage of the people, a man who the Jews, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees despised, Jesus not only embraced at his table, but now he says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your table. I want to come to your house. And my question for you and for myself today is if Jesus were to say, Hey, I am coming to your house today, would you receive him? And I know the answer. I know that I would receive him. I know that you would receive him, but we need to realize that sometimes Jesus does not come in the package that we're accustomed to, that we're used to, that even mainline Protestant Christianity has called us and uh, uh, trained us to accept. Sometimes Jesus is out of the box and sometimes he looks like people that we normally don't want to associate with if we're honest with ourselves. But I thank God that he uses his word to speak to our hearts, to show us ourselves, to show us our sin and our hypocrisy and our inconsistencies, so that we might repent and be transformed and become more and more like the master who would sit down and eat with the undesirables of his day. So permit me in this moment to speak a message to you entitled, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. (laughs) Yes, guess who's coming to dinner. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to learn. We thank you for this opportunity to listen to you. And we thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God in us who conforms us to the image of your darling Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive us for resisting the Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, for fighting against the Spirit. Lord, we yield right now. And we give you every place and space in our hearts that we often keep locked up away from you. We open up and say, Lord, show us who you are. Show us who we are and show us how you want us to be. We love you and we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Guess who's coming to dinner. Now, I am a Bible expositor when I teach and when I preach, meaning that I take the Bible in its context and interpret it properly according to its historical grammatical and linguistic elements and from that I try to bring practical application to our world because I recognize that a biblical text can never mean to us what it didn't mean to the original audience. So I do my best to to bring forth what the text means in the original context so that we might get application in our world. So, I am a biblical expositor. But if I look at the teaching method of Jesus, Jesus was so much more than a biblical expositor. Because Jesus not only understood the Hebraic Old Testament text, obviously because he wrote it through the Holy Spirit, uh, giving birth through the prophets to give us the Word of God, his Word. So, he knows the Word. But our Master, was also one who would teach using various illustrations that in his world they called parables. And parables were earthly stories with a spiritual meaning. They were not always to be interpreted literally, even though there were many literal truths in them. The way that we interpret a parable well was to get the main sense or gist of the meaning of the story that Jesus told. So in that spirit, I want to follow the one who was the greatest speaker of all, where the Bible says, never a man ever spoke like Jesus. And I want to slip away for a moment from my usual methodology of teaching and preaching the word as far as expositional preaching and teaching. And I want to communicate to you today through a parable. Through a parable. The story is told. Of a young married couple who lived in a gated suburban community who also happened to be churchgoers, just going about their business. And one day they received a text message from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And this text message said to this young couple, Alas, I am coming to your house this evening for dinner. I look forward to seeing you then. And so the young couple, after they had read the text from Jesus, they were excited. They were elated. They were beside themselves. They could not believe that the master was on his way to their house. So they did like many of you and I would do. They made preparations for King Jesus. They cleaned the house from top to bottom, spick and span. The husband went out and cut the lawn, manicured the bushes, got everything ready. They went out to the grocery store and and bought the choicest cuts of meat. They bought the freshest vegetables. They bought a bouquet of flowers. They came back and they prepared this lavish meal and set the table to prepare for the arrival of Jesus Christ. Boy, were they excited. They thought about the privilege it was to host Jesus in their own home. And then at 6 o'clock p.m., the doorbell rang. And the couple ran to the door saying, It's him! It's him! He's here! He's here! They looked at one another and and, and straightened their clothes and, and they got ready. And as they opened the door, they opened the door up. And to their surprise, there stood a homeless man, dressed in tattered clothes, unshaven, unkempt, smelling. And the homeless man said, I was told that I could come here tonight to enjoy dinner with you. To which the couple, they were confused and perplexed. They looked back at the homeless man and said, we don't know who told you that you could come here to our home to have dinner with us this evening. But they told you wrong. And if you don't leave at this time, we are going to call the police and they will take you off of our premises. After hearing the warning, after hearing this message of rejection, the homeless man put his head down turned around and walked away. Then at 6.15 p.m. the doorbell rang again and the couple looked at one another saying, it's him, it's him, he's here, he's here. They went to the door to open the door and lo and behold, standing before them was an undocumented family of immigrants. The couple looked at this family as the family said to them, we were told that we could come here this evening in order to have a meal with the two of you. The couple being confused and perplexed, looked back at the undocumented family and said, we don't know who told you that you could come to our home and have dinner, but they told you wrong. And if you don't leave our premises at once, we will call the police as well as ICE to come and take you off of our premises. And after hearing this word of rejection, the documented family put their heads down, turned around, and walked away. Then at 6.30 p.m., the doorbell rang. The couple said, oh, this is him. I know this is him. He's here. He's here. They went to the door. They opened up the door and lo and behold, there was a sick, elderly old man at the door. The old man said, I was told that I could come and have dinner with you this evening. To which the couple looked at one another. They were confused and perplexed. And they said back to the man. We don't know who told you. That you could come over here and have dinner. But they told you wrong. And you have one minute. To leave our premises. Before we call the police. And they will escort you off. To which the elderly man. Who had a pre-existing condition. Causing him to be sick. Lacking health care and insurance he put his head down and he turned around and he walked away and then at six forty-five p.m the doorbell rang again and this time the couple looked at one another and said i wonder if it's him i wonder if it's him and they went to the door and opened up the door and lo and behold there was an unemployed, pregnant woman standing before them. She said to the couple, I was told that I could come here and have a meal with you this evening. To which the couple looked at one another being confused and perplexed, said back to this pregnant woman, this woman who was unemployed because she had recently gotten out of jail Being a felon, she could not find work. She was eight months pregnant with life in her womb. This church-going couple said to this woman, We don't know who told you that you could come here and have a meal with us, but they told you wrong. And you have one minute to leave our premises before we call the police, and they will escort you off the premises themselves. After hearing this word of rejection, This pregnant woman, unemployed, put her head down and turned around and walked away. 7 o'clock rolled around and there was no Jesus. 7.15 rolled around and Jesus wasn't there. 7.30 came and went, no Jesus. And the couple looked at one another, confused and what? Perplexed. And they said, "I can't believe Jesus stood us up. Here it is past 7:30, going towards eight o'clock, and Jesus has stood us up for dinner this evening." Well then at eight o'clock p.m, both the husband and the wife got a text message from Jesus. And Jesus said in the text, "I'm sorry." that you miss me this evening. (laughs) Looking perplexed and confused, the couple texted back to Jesus saying, we didn't miss you. You missed us because you never showed up. Jesus then responded to the couple with another text and he said to them, I did show up. You just didn't recognize me. The homeless man was me. The undocumented family was me. The sick elderly man was me. The unemployed pregnant woman was me. You just didn't recognize me in them. Well, this parable that I made up, Really comes from what Jesus preached about in his final sermon before being arrested in Gethsemane. And in this sermon, Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats. And he talked about who his true followers were, as opposed to those who were false followers. And I'd like to read that story to you right now from Matthew chapter 25. Verse 31 through 46. The Bible reads, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, These are very chilling and sobering words from our Lord. We see that people's eternal fate was determined based upon their lack of service to the least of these. Whereas others, their eternal fate was sealed based on how they served the least of these. Now we know that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus apart from works. So we cannot work our way to heaven. But someone who has been saved by the grace of God so that he or she might go to heaven, that faith will always be accompanied with works. For even after we are told that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, it's a gift from God, not of work, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2.10 then goes on to say that we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. So I can't work to get saved. But because I am saved, the proof of that is seen in how I work or how I serve and even in who I serve. When you look at the heart of Jesus who did he serve? He came for the sick. He came for the blind. He came for the hurting and that's all of us if we are humble enough to admit it. But many of the people miss Jesus and the gospel because they did not want to admit that they were sick, that they were blind, that they were hurting and in need of a physician. But the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, they were entering the kingdom of God ahead of the religious people because they recognized their need for a savior. And Jesus calls us to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his mouth. He is the head and we are to go in his name as his body and serve the least of these. Because I'm afraid that during this time of COVID-19, The temptation will be for us to be self-focused, to be self-consumed, and in an effort to save our lives, we will justify that as a reason to not look out for the interests and the needs of others. But I'm here to remind you and myself that COVID-19 does not strip us of our responsibility to be salt and light And to go looking and searching for those who are lost, just as Jesus did with us and as he's doing with others. And he wants to do that through us. That Jesus wants us to be intentional, to see the marginalized, to see the disenfranchised, to see the underserved. And not only to see them, but to serve them, to bless them. Because Jesus says when we serve them, we serve him. It was Howard Thurman who said, American Christianity has betrayed the religion of Jesus almost beyond redemption. Therefore, we must fix our eyes to see Jesus when we see the poor, when we see the stranger, the outcast, the overlooked, the marginalized, and the disenfranchised, because they are all image bearers of God. You know, when I read, Matthew 25 and and how Jesus had shared that parable and how he said that he was the sick and he was the one who was poor and he was the one who was naked and the one who was hungry and in prison. That he was those people. It reminds me of uh, Undercover Boss that comes on network television. And this is a series designed to Um, show people who work in the common spaces um, their motivation in their work when the boss decides to go into disguise and be among the staff and the workers. And the boss is able to see what kind of conviction, what kind of conscience his workers have or her workers has by going undercover. And they don't know that they're working with their boss the whole time until the end. When the makeup comes off and the boss is able to judge his or her staff or company accordingly. And that's very much a picture of what's going to happen when Jesus returns. He will judge the sheep and the goats based on how they served people who were destitute people who were last, least, and lost. And I pray that you and I will have the eyes to see Jesus in the people that we serve, keeping in mind that the destitute do not always look destitute. You can drive a Lexus and struggle. You can live in a five-bedroom house and struggle just as much as a homeless person. So might we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And once again, COVID does not relinquish us of that responsibility to do unto others the way we would want someone to do unto us. You see, when we help those people, those people end up helping us in ways that usually are greater than how we help them. What do I mean? We can give them material resources, and we should. But they give back to us the faith that we need. Because when you are underserved, many times you are rich in faith. And you trust in God to come through for you in ways many of us do not. Because our blessing has caused us to be at ease many times. And we trust our paychecks and we trust our jobs to provide for us. As opposed to trusting the ultimate provider God himself who gives us the jobs and who gives us our homes and on and on and on. But those who don't have those things must really come to trust in God. So as we serve them, they serve us. There's mutual empowerment and mutual edification when we serve those who come across our path, those who knock on our doors, those the Lord leads us to because there's something in it for us just as much as it is for them. We need each other and God designed it and devised it that way. That's what the community is all about, of us coming together across race, class, and gender lines. That is the diverse kingdom of God. And when we come in contact with those who are hurting around us, we must remember that we're serving Jesus as we serve them. Who's coming to dinner? That's a question we all should ask. Or who are we taking dinner to? That's a question we should also ask. Jesus said as I close in Luke chapter 14 verse 12. He says, Then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back. And you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus is saying, when you invite someone to dinner, invite those who are left out. Invite those who are out on the margins. Invite those who are maimed and blind and poor and destitute and wretched based on societal standards. You invite them because based on kingdom standards, they are first. You invite them because on kingdom standards, they are image bearers of God. And when you touch them, you touch them in the name of Jesus, not knowing that you might be serving Jesus himself. So Strong Tower, as your pastor, I applaud you for having this kind of heart to serve and to give. And it has shown up in our food bank in recent weeks in how you have given, how you have come by, how you have served. And I am blessed as your pastor. And I just want to encourage you as I encourage myself. May we keep an eye open for those around us who may not be as fortunate as we are even during this time. That we may serve them and bless them in the name of the Lord. Because once again, Jesus is present in those people and among those people. And the blessing is on us when we give more than it is when they receive. You know, when this pandemic ends, we're going to start flying on airplanes again. And when I get on airplanes, and when you get on airplanes, you know you're going to get the instructions. And they're going to tell you how to buckle your seatbelt. A stewardess over the PA system is going to tell you where the exits are. They'll also tell you that in case of the loss of cabin pressure, air masks will drop from the ceiling. And they instruct us to put our mask on first. If we're traveling with a toddler or a young person or a person who can't put the mask on for themselves, put ours on first. And then assist the person next to us by putting their mask on. What they don't want you to do is to try to put their mask on without putting yours on first. Because two people may pass out. But what they don't want you to do either is to just put yours on and not concern yourself with the life of your neighbor. I just stopped by today to remind you and to encourage myself. Put your mask on literally during this time. To protect yourself and your neighbor it's an act of love put your mask on but not only that put the mask on of your neighbor so that he or she might be able to breathe and enjoy life themselves don't you just breathe make sure you help somebody else breathe to live as well because when you and I help them Jesus says there's a strong chance You're helping him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. Lord, I pray boldly that you would bring us to people who need some of the things that we have. That you would bring them across our path. That you would lay them before us. And rather than walking by or looking past them, may we be intentional, Lord, to open up our eyes and see them, to see their dignity, to see their value. To see the image of God in them, upon them, and to see you, Jesus, even in them and among them. And may we serve them as if they were you that we were serving. We thank you, God, for this lesson, for this message. May we all be mindful not to be self-consumed and self-focused during this time. But may we also think about the betterment of those around us. We thank you, Lord.